today on CityCast Pittsburgh. The Steel City loves fermented things. Pickles, sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, miso. And it might sound tricky to try to make that stuff yourself, but we've got a guide here to help you get started. Trevor Ring of Community Cultures is with the whole happy little CityCast Pittsburgh team. It's Thursday, August 24th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. So we're sitting on the porch in Highland Park at Mallory's house. We're going to learn how to ferment today. So Trevor, tell us how you got into fermented beverages, products, and what made you want to get started with a company here in Pittsburgh? I've been fermenting for over 10 years. I like to say that kombucha was my gateway ferment. And I had stomach issues and gut issues in college. And I found that drinking really strong kombucha that was like nearly vinegar cured my stomach ache within like five minutes. So from there, I just started exploring fermentation more. Oh, that's funny, like of all things. Why do you think kombucha appealed to you in that way? Yeah, so basically there are many things going on with kombucha specifically. One is the acidity, which some people turn to acidity, um, like apple cider vinegar is an example for like stomach issues. Um, The other thing is live bacterial cultures. Um, And there's a lot of research showing that eating like a diversity of live cultured fermented foods can be healthy for your gut. It's also like a new realm of science and a lot of people are doing research on the microbiome. But I think most importantly, it's good to recognize that humans have been interacting with fermented foods for thousands of years. I feel like Pittsburgh specifically should embrace kombucha, right? Like the first time I ever had it was during a fish fry Friday and I felt terrible. And somebody was like, here, drink this. You'll feel better. (laughs) And suddenly I did not have a stomach ache for like the first time ever during a spring Friday in Pittsburgh. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, so there was a kombucha company and I mean, it's surprising that there's not at least one right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's like just like the small city doesn't have the specific product that every other city has at least like a few brands of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also like, I know that there was an opening for fermented beverages in general. Um, But once I actually discovered wild fermented sodas and started messing around with different flavors, um, I just kind of like fell in love with that process. What are your favorite fermented foods to eat? Like what are your, what are the gateway drugs that you now recommend to folks? Um, I mean, now that I'm teaching a lot of workshops on wild fermented soda, I, I hope that wild fermented soda can be a gateway for people, um, especially because I'm so excited about it. But it's also like so simple and it really shows you how you can utilize the resources around you to make something that's like really good and also like very easy to make. Um, so I think that's a great gateway. And then the kind of other world, maybe more complex world of fermentation that a lot of people are geeking out about today is koji. And it's a molded grain that goes in miso. It's also like the foundation of rice wine vinegar and mirin. And basically like a lot of chefs are freaking out about it because it opens up a lot of potential with flavor and like umami flavors. Totally. So I feel like that's like the super nerdy version. Um, Where are some ways that other people might encounter it? Like I'm thinking of kimchi to pickles count technically yeah so fermented vegetables like a lot of people that's the gateway yeah sauerkraut kimchi and once you dive in there 
that was probably the second ferment that I make. It really opens up like, well, if you can make sauerkraut with cabbage, you can ferment really any Yeah, vegetable. I feel like now you're really speaking to true Pittsburghers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> one thing that I feel like Pittsburghers might be interested in um, is like fermented potatoes. They're like lacto-fermented potatoes. Oh. And I've been doing like dill pickled fermented potatoes. And then I take those potatoes and then I bake them. So you're eating like a pickled dill potato. I think we just found our Pittsburgh fermented product. Like- <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. I feel like they should, if they're not selling that at Picklesburg, someone should be. And Maybe it'll be you in the next year or two. Yeah, if I'm not overwhelmed by that festival. Um, well, so if you want to get started fermenting, how do you do it? Is it like super time intensive? Do you need a lot of gear? What, what do you recommend? You don't need a lot of gear. And I like to teach my workshops very simple and that like you don't need a whole lot. Um, you can use whatever you have in your kitchen as long as you have some jars. Um, there are plenty of like books and recipes that are out there. I always recommend Sandra Katz's books to get started, Wild Fermentation or The Art of Fermentation. Taking a workshop, obviously. From um, you, from Community Cultures, of that course. That would be great, yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, now there are so many recipes online, too, so people can learn, whether that's on you know YouTube or just some blog. Yeah. How long does the process typically take? Like you're going to walk us through making some soda today. I think that's like a few days, right? Depending on your AC situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It could be anywhere from like two to five days, especially in the summer. In the winter, it could take longer, Um, but it really depends on what product you're talking about too. Some ferments could be one to two days, like koji or tempeh. Um, And then you have, you know, a nice miso or wine that would take years. Yeah. Well, I think what appealed to the CityCast team about all of this is that it seems pretty accessible, like a thing we could maybe cons- maybe do in our off hours. Um, how can you tell when the fermentation has maybe gone wrong, aside from the explosion uh, part yeah. of it, like if you go way, way too long? Um, what does it look like? When should you maybe not sip that? So if you see any mold growth, I would toss the batch for soda. If you're talking about vegetables, that you can just skim off. But for soda... Um, you don't want to really be drinking like any of those spores and just anything that's moldy, really. Yeah. So you can tell by sight that maybe not this one. Yeah. And the other thing is I've only had this happen like once or twice. If you put, if you strain out some soda into a bottle that like wasn't completely clean and you open it and you just have like a pretty off smell, like it's pretty intuitive. Mm -hmm. Um, it just smells like it's gone wrong. It's nice to know that as humans, that's a thing we will be able to do on our own. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about from like, (laughs) this is all safe stuff and it is pretty intuitive when we shouldn't eat it. The downside is like, we've been taught that bacteria are bad. So, uh, people are just hesitant. They don't know when like their sauerkraut is good or something has gone wrong because we've been learned to fear this when people have been doing this for hundreds, if not thousands of years. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. 
So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. So sitting around Mallory's Island, uh, we've got lead producer Mallory Falk holding all the microphones. Um, Sophia Lowe, our new producer, welcome. Yay, welcome. Hi, thanks. So excited to be here. Uh, Newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Hey. Producer Maria Carter. Hey there. And me. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff in front of us, a lot of bowls, a lot of jars, a lot of cups, and a huge bowl of blueberries. Yes, and we're going to be squeezing blueberries with our hands. It's going to be fun. Yeah, let's get started. Well, actually, I like to start by hearing from you all to know what your experience is with fermentation. So if you just want to say if you've fermented anything intentionally or unintentionally, (laughs) um, so that could be making kimchi or wine or just watching food rot. That counts, too. Uh, I have none. I have absolutely no experience with fermentation, but I love drinking fermented things, so... I've definitely unintentionally fermented things, you know, in the back of the fridge. I think I've done like a sourdough starter before. I've made a lot of quick pickles at home and my former roommate made kombucha a lot. I don't like kombucha, but she made me poke the scoby a lot. <laughs> Hated it. Oh, yeah. That's so gross. The scoby, the scoby is weird. It's like a life of its own. Right? For those who don't know, what is scoby? Yeah. So a scoby stands for symbiotic community of bacteria and yeast. Um, so yeah, it's great to hear all of your experiences. I like to cater it towards, you know, what you've had experience with. And obviously, like, some people have fermented before. But even if you haven't, we all engage with fermentation, whether we know it or not. Every single meal you have probably had some fermented ingredient in it, whether that's vinegar, um, chocolate, coffee, vanilla. Like, these are all fermented ingredients that people might not think as being fermented. But really, like, we interact with it on a daily basis. Hmm. Well, okay, so let's jump in. Uh, Do you want to get started maybe walking us through the process? Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about wild fermentation. And by wild fermentation, we are talking about the microbes that are wild and on the blueberries. So what we're doing is we're creating the ideal environment for the microbes on the blueberries to thrive, to consume sugar, and to create something that's bubbly and delicious. So... What we're going to be doing is mashing blueberries with our hands. I'm just going to pass this bowl around and everyone's going to take roughly a cup of blueberries and just put it in the bowl in front of you. So I'll just pass it over here. And is there any reason that we're doing this with our hands than another kitchen tool? One reason is the experiential aspect of it. I just think it's fun to make people squeeze berries. Um, (laughs) But also, so there there is like some transmission of microbes from your hands. That's not really why we're doing it. The more you mash it, the more flavor you're going to get out of it. This is so fun! And why does smashing them bring out the flavor? Yeah, we're basically, we're just exposing more of the 
the nutrients, the acidity, the sugars, if we let, especially blueberries, they're a great example where if, if you leave them whole, like they don't really break down on their own unless mm. they really sit out for a while or there's a lot of pressure. I mean, just this is just, I feel like I'm back to childhood play here. Oh, yeah. And it's really mm-hmm. fun. So the next step is really just putting everything in the jars. So I'm going to start with my blueberries. We're going to be adding two cups of water, one pint of water into our quart size jar. After that comes the sugar. So the general ratio is two tablespoons of sugar per pint of water. It's really aesthetically pleasing to see it all mixed together. So we're going to put the lid on tightly and then we're just going to mix everything. We're dissolving the sugar and just basically this is the beginning of the wild microbes becoming active. So you're waking them up, telling them, hey, there's some sugar here. Come and eat it and make some delicious bubbles for us. Not really, but the the more more fun, the more you shake, the more fun it is right now. How do you know when it's the appropriate level of shaken? Honestly, you don't really even need to shake it in the beginning because it'll right. the sugar will naturally <laughs> dissolve on its own. But I thought that would be an important part of this. Do you keep this out on the counter or in the fridge? Yeah, so keep it out on the counter. Uh, you want to keep it out of direct sunlight. The sunlight can inhibit the fermentation. Um, I also should have mentioned you want to avoid using chlorinated water. Um, that being said, I have used like horrible Pittsburgh tap water and it worked. So. Over the next, I would say, three to five days, you're going to be shaking, stirring it twice a day. And what you're doing is you're oxygenating this batch and you are invigorating the wild yeast and bacteria. Um, You are also preventing any mold growth. So mold, they are opportunists. They love to sweep in when there's something sitting on the surface. If we let something sit on the surface for too long, then they will join the party and take over and spoil your batch. I love that you're giving us homework. Two shakes a day, like 12 hours apart, like eight in the morning, eight at night. Yeah, I mean, you can, if it <laughs> if it's helpful to have like a specific time and an alarm, do that. Yeah. Um, I have like- <laughs> We're artists, but also rigid people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I already have a routine in the morning to like check on my ferments when I wake up and at night before I go to bed. But most people don't have that. If you just like let this sit out on the table for a week, and you weren't shaking it, and you weren't burping it, like that's when you would have run the risk of having a minor or major explosion in your house. Yeah. If anyone's going away, like tomorrow, then I recommend giving this to a friend to take care of. Yeah. Yeah, eventually, like once you dive deep into fermentation, you have people who are not coming over to pet sit or to house sit, but to ferment sit. And take care of your starter cultures and all of your bubbly things. So maybe you'll be at that point after this workshop. Yeah. (laughs) So wait, you're going to be shaking it twice a day until it's nice and bubbly, but it'll be clear. And what you'll do is you'll open it and you'll hear the fizz. You'll be able to see it. And often the CO2 will push up all the blueberries and they'll be sitting on the surface. And that's when you know it's alive. It's a cultured beverage at this point. And all we did was wake up the live microbes from the blueberries. Some people might like drinking like chunky blueberries, but you probably don't. (laughs) So you want to strain it out and you want to strain it out into a carbonation vessel. I find that like plastic bottles, 
they're perfect for carbonating, especially when you're starting off. The benefit of using a plastic bottle is that you can feel the pressure. It's very intuitive. Everyone knows what like a pressurized Coca-Cola bottle seltzer feels like. Right now, there's no resistance because there's nothing in there. But when there is pressure from the CO2, you can't really push in that much. Yeah. You're going on feel for the carbonation, but usually it's, uh, I would say, like a few hours to 48 hours, depending on the batch. And Trevor, I know you actually brought us some of your own fermented soda to try. We're excited. Yeah. One thing to note. So before anyone tries some. So in this process, there are small amounts of alcohol. I make them so they're like non-alcoholic in the legal sense. They're under 0.5% alcohol. If you ferment this till it's dry, like a dry wine where there's zero sugar, could be up to like one, maybe one and a half percent alcohol. So unless you have like a very low tolerance, probably not enough to get you drunk. But if you're like sharing it with a child, you might want to know that. The longer it ferments, the more alcohol it's going to create. So I put a two week shelf life on my bottles that I sell legally. <laughs> well, and those uh, ABVs compare to like beer, for example, like a session IPA could be as low as 4% or a bottle of wine is anywhere from like 11 to 18%. Um, so I guess now that we've been forewarned, let's break out some glasses and give it a try. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Trevor. Oh, I love this. <laughs> I also really like it. I was scared it was going to taste like kombucha, but it does okay. not. Ooh. So you found you found your way into a fermented drink? Yes. Still won't touch kombucha. I love kombucha, but I also really like this. It's not, it's, but similar to kombucha, it has a little bit of a funkier smell than taste. Yeah. 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 It's a really clean taste. Mm hmm Yeah. I find that, yeah, the funk is usually more of an aroma than taste. It's yeah. the perfect amount of sweet, though. Well, thank you so much for teaching us here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for having me and happy fermenting. If you want to try your hand at fermentation, Trevor offers lessons on everything from miso to kimchi to sauerkraut. His next workshop is next Thursday, August 31st at Phipps. It's on Hawaiian ferments. And he's got a fermented soda class at Vellum Fermentation in the South Side on September 8th. You can find all his upcoming workshops or book a private class like we did at communitycultures.com. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell someone, give us a good idea for a future Food Thursday show. Leave us a nice review, a five-star rating, and make sure you're subscribed to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you in soon. It's a very grown-up soda. <laughs> like, that's what it feels like, you know, like. It's do, you not mean, do you mean pop?